Praise the Lord. Oh, no. Too many conversations going. Let's try that again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is so good to see you. Why don't you greet the person sitting next to you? Shake their hand. Tell them hello this morning. Tell them they look great, if that's appropriate. If they're not, don't tell them anything. Praise the Lord. It's good to see all of you here this morning. If you are a guest here at Grace, thank you for being here. If you're joining us online, we know that the Lord is going to do something tremendous for you. We're always excited when we have guests here at Grace because you represent potential. We know that God is going to do something. He is able to do something for you this morning. There's a few announcements we have to make. Uh, Mission Louisiana pledges. Uh, please remember that uh, Louisiana Mission... Uh, our mission, Louisiana, is for the renovation and modernization of our campground in Tioga. A category has been set up in Easy Tithe for your pledges. Uh, Tuesday, December 5th, will be our first Tuesday evening prayer in the sanctuary at 7.30 p.m. And this next announcement is very important. Uh, not that the rest of them aren't. Just saying, pay attention to this one. Sunday, December 10th, we will have our Grace Christmas Banquet which will be held at Forest Grove Plantation from 6 to 9 p.m. We always have a wonderful time, don't we? The food, don't we? Okay, good. There you go. Praise the Lord. We have good food, good entertainment. Uh, a category has been set up in Easy Tide to pay. The costs involved are under 5, or it's free. Ages 5 to 12 is $7.50. Ages 13 and up is $15. Mr. David Beckton will be in attendance with us. But uh, the important part is you have to pay today. I know that we kind of procrastinate sometimes. We intend to go. We know we're going to go, but we, we put off paying. Please go there uh, and pay today uh, on Easy Tithe because we need to, we've got to create logistics and we have to plan on who's going to be there. So please go today. Don't put it off any longer. Uh, Sunday, December 17th, please join us for Grace's Christmas service at 11 a.m. And Sunday, December 17th, we have our Christmas for Christ offering. Praise the Lord. Before we begin with our praise service, there's a, I'm a purposeful guy. I don't know if y'all know that or not. There's a purpose behind why we're here today. Amen. It's not to be entertained. We have tremendous talent on this platform this morning, but we're not here to be entertained. Our purpose centers on Jesus Christ. Amen. It centers on Jesus Christ. We're here to praise and worship our Lord. We're here to lift up his name. We're here to be transformed by his presence and move forward in relationship with him. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise and we can lift our voices in worship this morning. God bless you, Grace Church.
cliche or form that the Bible is ever a cliche. And I don't want to sound cliche here today. But the faithfulness of God to us is unmatched by anything else. The Bible said where two or three are gathered. And we're gathered here today in his name. And he's here. I have felt the presence of the Lord here today. And I'm sure all of you have as well. And I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I'm privileged to be in the presence of the Lord here this morning. Thank the Lord. Return to your seats. Remain standing. It won't be but a moment. Um, we welcome all of our guests here today. Uh, Brother Ben just did that, but I wanted to do it again. Certainly appreciate folks that come out to Grace Church on Sunday morning and to worship with us. And uh, if you're a guest here today, you're welcome. We're glad you're here. And uh, I especially today want to welcome uh, Brother Tom and Sister Brenda Vina. They flew in all the way from New York to be here with us today. That's only part of the truth. Uh, they've been visiting family in Lake Charles. And uh, a lot of you remember, may remember, uh, my Uncle Leroy Buller. He was my mentor for years in ministry. Uh, these are relatives of my sweet Uncle Leroy Buller pastored in Cincinnati for a number of years. We're glad to have you folks here today. Thank you all so much for being with us today. Amen. And uh, all of our guests, all of our guests, we're so glad you're here. Uh, Brother Ben announced about our banquet next Sunday night. I'd like to remind you that today's the last day to sign up. And uh, we always have people that call on Tuesday, Wednesday of the week after the deadline and said, hey, I forgot. Um, the place we're going is a little more stringent than Grace Church is along this line. And uh, so they need to know by in the morning. So if you're planning to go and you've not signed up, please do. Don't do it now. But uh, as soon as church is over, we'll, have, we'll send you a text this afternoon. How about that? One last text to remind everybody. So keep your phone handy and uh, you can access that through uh, the Grace Church website. It's our honor and privilege today to have Brother Chris and Sister Monica uh, Gonzalez with us. And um, I think they were the inspiration behind my three sons. Is that right? Is that how that goes? They probably heard that joke. It's probably been long worn out by now. But we're glad to have them and their family here with us. And we certainly appreciated uh, Sister Monica joining our praise team this morning. And uh, that was wonderful. And we're very excited about that. Thank the Lord. Appreciate that so very much. And if they come back, uh, perhaps that can happen again. But we're honored to have them. They uh, are very passionate about ministry. Uh, they're working now with the uh, Lighthouse Ranch for Boys, the Boys Ranch in LaRanger. You'll hear him talk about that in just a moment. But uh, they're very passionate about Jesus. They love the gospel. They love the kingdom of God. And uh, God has blessed them with tremendous ministry and we're glad to have them here this morning brother chris gonzalez come and minister to us today let the lord have his way can we give him some welcome as he comes to minister to us today brother bunch stated this morning in sunday school isaiah went into the presence of god and he said whoa Woe is me, 
But he also mentioned when him and his family went to see the Grand Canyon, when they saw the canyon, they said, wow. In this house today, there is a wow. I was standing over there and just thanking God that we have apostolic churches that know how to invite the presence of God. And it's not just an emotion. It's not just a routine. But it's an atmosphere of worship where you can connect with God. It's a wow moment. But I'm also thankful that in those wow moments, there are woe moments. In worship, we say, woe is me, God. I'm so thankful, God. Lord, would you cleanse me? Would you wash me? And I feel that presence in this house today. I'm so grateful and thankful to be here this morning. Your pastor uh, spoke, I don't know if he realized this, but he spoke a prophetic word to my ministry or my wife and I in our, our live situations. And it was a casual conversation. I don't even know, Brother Murphy, if you realize this, but it was a casual conversation. And at the table, I began to tell him, what has transpired in our ministry and our lives in 2023. And boy, was it ever full of events. But he said, I just felt to tell you this. God, you have shown God that you are willing. You are available. Whatever God wants you to do, you are willing. You show God and God has something in store for you and your family. And so I've kept and I've hold on to that, Brother Murphy. That, that was something that every now and then you need a man of God to speak to you and give you a word of encouragement that, hey, you're not way off course. You're not way in left field, but you're in the direct will of God. And so I thank Brother Murphy for speaking that word of faith to me and encouragement. You have a wonderful pastor. You have a wonderful facility. I think I've been here one time. It was in the maybe the 90s, Brother, Brother David. You know, I, my, I tell my boys that we were born in the 1900s. But I thank God that, you know, he has brought us here. It's not by accident. Somebody's going to leave here changed. Somebody's going to leave here changed. I believe I've come with a word from God. But you can be seated for just a moment before we get into the word of God. I would just like to say I'm Chris Gonzalez, and I serve as the campus pastor at the Lighthouse Ranch for Boys. And this was never on our radar. It, it just it came to us, and we accepted the invitation to be there, my wife and I. And uh, that was early. Well, that was this early this year in February. And there, as campus pastor, I. I, I relate a lot to the boys about situations in my life because God has blessed me with three wonderful boys. And if any of you have boys in the house today, you know how challenging life can be. So our boys at the ranch, they uh, lot, lots of things are happening at the ranch. And I first want to say that this church has been such an amazing supporter, a huge supporter of our vision and mission at the Boys Ranch. And we want to thank you 
and your wonderful pastor for investing in the kingdom. This is not just some fly-by-night program that we've come up with, but it's young men that are facing challenges in their lives. It's not to buy fancy suits and fancy ties, but it's to invest in young men that haven't been, have, have never been exposed to the privileges that you and I were exposed to growing up. Also, before I, I think, you know, this church, I, I want to pass this thanks on from Sister Kayla Sanders. Anybody remember Sister Kayla Sanders and her son Judah? Judah entered into this world with many challenges. But she said, I, I want to be there, but I can't. I have family in town. She said, but would you let the church know how thankful I am for the prayers that they have prayed every day, the continual prayer for our Judah. The boys that attend the ranch, they come from all types of dysfunctions, like neglect, hunger, Behavioral issues. I, I just spoke to one of the boys recently. I can't uh, tell you his name, but we were in the vehicle driving to one of our trustee trips, and he, I, I just began that probe and asked questions about his lifestyle. And he said, Brother Chris, believe it or not, I began to smoke and drink at the age of five. He is now 15, 16 and he said at the age of five, he was exposed to tobacco. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. And he said, little do you know, but I became the dealer. He said, I grew my own marijuana plants and I've been shot in the leg. But he says, at such a young age, he says, I had a lot of clientele. I had, I had money coming in. And so, but he said, I'm done with that life. I'm done with that lifestyle because you're always looking over your shoulder. Who, who's the God that's going to come and try to take your life and, and steal things from you? So we're making a difference. We're trying our best to make a difference in these young men's lives. You see, it makes our, our heart hurt when we see the uncertainty on these young men's lives. When they arrive at the ranch, they are welcomed with kindness and with love. And we embrace them the best way we can. And sometimes they are reserved because they don't know what that means. You see, I was privileged growing up. I had a mother that loved me. She loved God. And she did everything she did her best to raise us and, and just be there for us. So several things that are happening that you support. These are things that you fund and you support. We are under a con construction of our new Votech building, and it's soon to be up and running, and it's exciting. These boys were never exposed again to the things that we had the privilege of, but they will have the opportunity to become a carpenter, to become a plumber, electrician. That, that is kind of a dying thing here. Uh, you see, a plumber is very important. I won't dive into that, but electrician is very important. And we're trying to teach them these trades that are dying. And at the same time, teaching them how to work. So, Sister Jennifer Matthews, anybody know Sister Jennifer Matthews in the house? Yes. 
She and I host weekly Bible studies, and we host nurture groups. Now you say, what is nurture groups? I know what a Bible study is, but these nurture groups are, are designed to teach these young men basic life skills. Things like the average man was taught, the average young man was taught, but these young men have no idea. We teach them proper hygiene. Believe it or not, some of these young men experience, if, 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 I, if I'm stinky, if I'm dirty, you won't come near me and hurt me. I can't wrap my mind around that. But we try our best to uh, insert them and teach them how to live the basic skills of life. Responsibility. Being respectful. And again, simply how to work. You, you know, you can't, there's a lot of things that are free in this life. But the, the good things come with a price. The valuables come with a price. And so we teach them that. So I just want to say again, and, and this mo I'm going to miss this part, but this is one of the most important parts. But not only do we teach them trades and skills and uh, nurture them the best way we know how, but we, number one, try our best to instill the apostolic doctrine in their lives. Because I believe that's the most important. They may not know how to put some wires together and they may not know how to put some pipes together. But, but we're trying our best to teach them. You've got to get into the word every day. You've got to develop a prayer life every day. You see, it, you may not have the best education. But, but if you get into this word and you allow God to change your life, you will be more successful. It will be lasting than any type of career or scholastics that you're involved in. It's going to get you to eternity. So I believe I have here some pictures. I don't know if they showed some pictures up here, but things are happening at the ranch. It's a very busy place. And I, I'm, I'm here not just to promote the ranch. Uh, your pastor said you, you can, you know, season your message with that at the beginning, and maybe I've put a little too much seasoning on it. But I mainly just want to say thank you. I have a, a little table out there set up, and it's the Christmas season. These young men don't have a clue and idea what Christmas is. They were surviving on their own, raising their own siblings. We have a young man there now that he raised his two sisters, younger sisters, and he was abandoned in an abandoned home. It was condemned, and he was there DCFS found him and his siblings in a house by themselves. He said, Brother Chris, I, because I, I was teaching on forgiveness one day, and he said, Brother Chris, I, I, it's hard for me to forgive my mother because I, I never knew. I, I missed growing up as a child. I had to grow up really fast. So these boys are facing challenges, but thank God for churches and individuals like you that believe in this mission. And it's happening. We get phone calls, Brother Murphy, from young men that say, you know, I really gave y'all some heartache and problems, but I'm so thankful for the experience that I had at the boys' ranch. So thanks again for your belief in our mission. God is good. Amen. 
I believe God is going to do something great in this house. I know that's a famous cliche, but I truly believe that what uh, God had laid on my heart. Uh, I said, God, is that is that really you? But but there's a word that came to me, and I'm going to introduce it to you in just a moment. But the word that kept coming to me, it hit me three or four times this week. And I said, you know, okay, God, I, I will share that. I'm really not a seasonal type preacher and minister. But today I, I felt a little something. I had a Christmas spirit on me. Brother, Brother David Bunch mentioned that. And he said, you're probably going to hear uh, more sermons or messages about Christmas this month. And maybe this is a little too early, but I'm just going to dive into this. If you would stand with me and turn to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1. I know it's almost 1145, and I will try my best to get you to that restaurant. As a matter of fact, I was sitting back there, Brother David, with my oldest, and I thank God that my family is able to be here with me. They're scattered somewhere here with all the young people, but my stomach began to growl. He said, Dad, you didn't eat any breakfast? No, I didn't. That's that's not a sign, Brother Murphy. I I can head back to LaRanja. I don't have to go eat, but some of you, you're like, okay, would you hurry up so I can get to that restaurant? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Somebody say that word with me, hope. Another verse of Scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now abideth or remaineth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. I know the greatest is charity, but I want to encourage somebody today that hope is here. It's here. Hope is here. I know it says angels are posted in every corner. Hope is is posted everywhere. It's going up and down the chairs. It's going up and down the aisles. Hope is here. God bless you. You can be seated. I believe with all of my heart what needs to be preached, what needs to be posted, and what needs to be proclaimed is the doctrine of faith. The the influence or the declaration that there is hope. And also what needs to be proclaimed, I feel, in this day is love. You see, our world today is bombarded with fear. It's bombarded with despair, division, and hatred. And this is all orchestrated. This is all the plan of the enemy in the last day. It's always been his plan to twist and turn every promise That God has established. It's been His uh, mission to twist it and change it and discourage it from His people. You see, instead of faith, He acknowledges and He pushes fear. He says there's no hope. Uh, It's over. It's disparity. 
division. He pushes and promotes division. Most of all, he promotes and stands for hatred. All in his plan to do the exact opposite of what God wants to do in his people. So today, you're going to hear this word multiple times. And I don't know who in this place needs to hear it. But someone needs to hear it. Hope. Hope is here. No matter your hopelessness, there is a place where you can find restoration. You may be a single mother in here. You may be a young person that may be traveling on the road that you should not be traveling. It could be a family that has faced tragedy, unexpected tragedy, but I'm here to tell you. Hope is here. Hold on to God. There is hope. If you have ever visited a prison, if you've ever visited a psych ward, a nursing home, or maybe a refugee camp, you will sense and detect a case of hopelessness. Again, Satan is the marketer of misery. He is an expert when it comes to hopelessness. An inscription over the huge, hideous iron gates of the prison of De La Roquette in Paris, France, uh, which is set apart for criminals who are condemned to death, reads this. Abandon hope. All ye who enter here. And here's the thing. This, the sad thing is that many individuals leave out that inscription. Abandon hope. They are without hope. It seems, it appears. You see, they're like the farmer who sows, but he never reaps. Like the merchant who never sells a dollar's worth of goods. Or the doctor who never cures a patient. Can I add this when a, a minister, a layman uh, that goes into the hospital, the lake or Baton Rouge General and lays hands on someone and they, they pass away the next few days. God, is there hope in, my, in, in, in the ministry that I have? You see, you see, it's like that doctor that never cures. Satan wants us to picture ourselves as beyond God's reach. Beyond his help, beyond his interest. But I am here to declare the best way I can. We are not without hope. It's in this room right now. It's moving about from this platform to the back door. It's here in this room right now. Oh, can you give God praise and say, I believe there is hope for me, my family, and my situation. I know what the doctor has said. I know uh, what the situation is. But God, I believe it today. There is hope. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Spell with me. Spell with me the word no, nowhere. Nowhere. No, this is not a spelling test, but, but spell the word with me nowhere. N-O-W-H-E-R-E. You see, that's our perspective. That's our point of view. Hope is nowhere. But I would ask you to think about that word again. And now this is from God's perspective. This is from God's point of view. Hope is now here. Hope 
The world says it's nowhere. I can't find it. I've been searching for it, but I can't find it. But I'm here to say hope is now here. You see, the devil doesn't know how to spell. He says nowhere. You see, he's blinded. He doesn't see the true revelation. And today I'm here to proclaim hope is now here. Hope in scripture means favorable or confident expectation. When it is used as a verb, oh, your English teachers here, hold on. It is often accompanied by two prepositions. Everybody know what a preposition is? I remember some of them, above, about, below, beneath, beside, under. Some of those, we sang a song about it. But, but hope is accompanied by two prepositions. And we are exhorted to put our hope in a person like God. And to rest our hope on something waited for. How many of you, there's some young people in here. Oh, I can't wait for Christmas Eve. I can't wait for Christmas Day. Some of you right now saying, oh, I can't wait till he stops preaching and I can leave this house. You were saying, oh, I can't wait till I get through this season. I can't wait till this dark cloud is removed from my life. Oh, I can't wait. Come on, that is hope. That's anticipation, anticipation for something to happen. Really briefly, I, I will run through these, but the words hope and wait are closely related in Scripture. Psalms 39 and 7. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. Psalms 119.81. My soul fainteth for Thy salvation, but I hope in Thy Word. Amen. Psalms 135. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. Is somebody hoping in something? Is somebody hoping for something? Uh, Psalm 71 and 14. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Last one, First Thessalonians 5 and 8. But let us who are of the day. Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Hear this point right here. Life can go very badly, but eternal life cannot. 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Titus 2, 13, looking for that blessed hope. Oh, somebody, come on, get your eyes off of your current problems today. And would you get your eyes on Jesus? I just want to be that mouthpiece today. I just want to be that messenger today to say, get your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Praise God. Praise God. Let me read another one. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. 
Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And if not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him, Oh, come on, if you don't have that hope, uh, I wish I had some type of shaker with something and just season your life uh, with some hope today. Come on, your jar, your spiritual life is empty right now. But I'm here to tell you hope is all right here. Hope is where you are. It's sitting right there next to you. Oh, come on, somebody believe. Uh, Hope is now here. Empty that jar of despair. Empty that jar of uncertainty. And would you put your hope in Jesus Christ? Amen. Let me just say this. One of our boys said, Brother Chris, let me see your angry face. I said, what? He said, when you teach in Bible study, you look so angry. So if I look angry today, I'm really not angry. Sister Jennifer said, that's just his passion coming out. He's so passionate about the word of God. I said, that's a good way to put it, Sister Jennifer. Because my wife even said, you look so angry. So I'm going to try my best not to wrinkle my forehead and my eyebrows. Hear this. There is a difference between process, somebody say process, between process and promise. If we don't trust God in the process, we are not worthy of the promise. And if this this year has ever been a revelation of this point, uh, oh God, I don't want to be in this process. I'm tired of being in this dry season. I don't want to go through what I'm going through. Come on, come on. There's there's no money in the bank. The kids are just going crazy and you can't get control of them or our husband decides to move on and, or the spouse doesn't. There's just no hope, it seems. It's a process. Some of you in the process right now. You don't want to be in, but I'm here to tell you, hope is just around the corner at the end of that process. Praise God. I want to be worthy of the promise. So God, I will listen to men of God like your pastor and say, God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm not going to neglect you. I'm not going to deny you. God, I'm just going to praise you. I know I'm in the middle of a chaos or situation, but God, I'm just going to trust you because I believe I can't see it, but I'm hoping in the promise that is around the corner. Is it easy? No, ma'am, no, sir. It's the most difficult. God will put you in the most difficult seasons of your life. Don't, don't, uh, don't doubt God, but trust God because there's a promise coming down. Yes. You see, let me go quickly. The, the example that I will give, it's one of the, I feel, uh, a really good example in Scripture about hope and promise and process. And it's in the life of Abraham who had a promise. God gave him a promise. 
It was so big that it was staggering. No doubt he was probably every day, oh, I can't wait. He had such faith and trust in God that he did not waver. Was he perfect? No, ma'am, no, sir. He had his issues and doubts, uh, but the scripture still says he was a, a father of faith, a man of faith. You see, he trusted God when the process looked like it was moving in reverse. Somebody say process. You're in the process right now. Would you trust the process? Romans 4, 17, 21. As it is written, I have made thee, Abraham, a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead. And calleth those things which be not as though they were. Verse 18. Who against hope. This process did not look. Uh, it was hopeless. This process looked like despair. But Abraham, we need to follow his example. He believed in hope uh, that he might become the father of many nations. God, I know I don't see that promise right now. But God, I'm going to have hope that that promise is coming. He Look at verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Somebody may be in this room and saying, Preacher, I'm in the middle of a staggering season. I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm almost thinking about just throwing in a towel and giving in. And can I be transparent? There was a few weeks. It was just maybe a couple of months ago where I said, God, this is not worth it's, it's, it's too much trouble. I, I felt like throwing in the towel. Please don't judge me. But we all have our issues and our moments where we just want to give up and say, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I can go get a job, make more money, and have more happy people around me. But God says, no, get ready. Hold on. There's a promise coming. There's a promise coming. Trust the process. You may have a son or daughter that's in the hospital. You see, Sister Kayla and Brother Aaron Sanders, when Judah was in the hospital, they had to trust the process. All oh, the doctors, the, all the, the, the medical service that, that he needed, they had to trust God for the pro in the process. And here recently, he's been hospitalized twice. And it's like, oh, God. Again, again, are you going to take my promise away from me? I'm still going to praise you. You see, that's why they named him Judah, because they praised God in the middle of their medical crises, in the middle of the process. In spite of Abraham's failures and sin, God kept his promise, and Isaac was born. You see, many of God's promises do not depend on our character. Which can waver. Our character can waver. But, but on his faithfulness, we need to put our trust in. We need to depend on his faithfulness, which will never waver. You say, you got scripture for that, preacher? Hebrews 6, 13 and 18. For when God made a, a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. I'm here to tell you that God cannot lie. If there's any, there's one thing that God cannot do. 
Brother Murphy, it's lie. Surely, verse 14, blessings I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. Somebody needs to hear this and grab and latch upon this scripture. And so after he patiently endured. God help us today. When he endured the, the process. He obtained the promise wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. Confirmed by an oath that by two unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Come on, some of you have been doubting God and his promises, but hold on today. Uh, you may not see it tomorrow. Uh, you may not see it next week, uh, but can I tell you, it's on the way. God not only gave Abraham a promise, but he also confirmed that promise with an oath. Genesis 22, 15 through 18. When a witness takes an oath in court. This is not scripture. This is a point. When a witness takes an oath in court. He says the words. So help. So help me God. You see we call on the greater. What's happening is we call on the greater. To witness for the lesser. None is greater, hear me, none is greater than God. So he swore by himself. Hear this, his promise and his oath uh, are both uh, absolute, not obsolete, but absolute. You can hold on to God's promises. Let me hurry. God said to Abraham, I swear I'm going to bless you. Can I tell you? Yes. Please don't judge me. I broke a few promises. I've told some of the boys. I told my own boys. I, I promise I'm going to take care of you tomorrow. Whatever deal I made with them. I'm not supposed to make deals with them. But sometimes my little manipulative way makes deals with the boys ranch, with the boys at the boys ranch. And, and they'll come up to me the next day and say, Brother Chris, you promised. Ah, I'm going to take care of you tomorrow. And unfortunately, sometimes I, I don't keep my promise. Please forgive me, but sometimes I don't keep my command, uh, my promises. But hear me today. We serve a God. We serve a God that will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So hear this. Why did God swear? You see, he swore to make a covenant that he was telling the truth. Sometimes uh, it will look like I'm a liar. This is what God is saying. Sometimes, uh, sir, I'm going to look like a liar. Sometimes it will look like serving me doesn't work. Uh, sometimes, hear me, hear me, things will get worse than they get better. Trust the process. Sometimes it will look like you're going backward. Instead of forward, sometimes it will look like I'm trying to kill you instead of bless you. But I swear I'm going to bless you. Hear this point. You cannot get the promise unless you go through the process. Hope is here. 
hope is here. It's what will get us through uh, this life. God says, I will guide you. Hope will guide you through the process. You say, are you sure? Listen to this. Or look at these examples. Anybody know David? who was just a little shepherd boy. But one day, you see, there were days that he did not trust the process. He wanted to say, God, just take me. Little did he know there was a promise of a palace waiting for him. Joseph, a man of dreams and visions, that was promises. But he had to endure the process. I swear, God says, I'm going to bless you. I want to close with this. I read this several years ago. And I I love this author. Anybody's ever heard of Max Lucado? I bet Pastor and Brother David, y'all have a few of his books on your bookshelf. But I want to read just a little excerpt from his book titled Because of Bethlehem. And now you can't see, but I put in italics or I put in parentheses like after reading this I'm like he should have said this so I just added a little season to and I have I I cannot touch Max Licato but all of this is not me but majority of it is his he says this maybe your life resembles a Bethlehem stable Crude in some spots, smelly in others, not much glamour, not always neat. He goes on to say, you, like Joseph, you knocked on the innkeeper's door, but it was too late. Some of you, the devil is saying, it's too late. I'm here to say, no, it's not. God is here. Hope is here. Or, or you, it appears... That you're too old. It appears that you're sick, you're dull, you're damaged, you're poor, peculiar. You know the sound of a slamming door. It always seems that you're on the outskirts of activity. You do your best to make the best of it. But try as you might. The roof still leaks and the winter wind still sneaks in you're trying your hardest but the winter wind sneaks in you're shivered through your share of cold nights and you wonder if God has a place for a person like you somebody needs to hear this I I declare to you you will find your answer in the Bethlehem statement Brother David taught about it today. You can see God face to face at that stable in Bethlehem. You see, that's what it really comes down to. God wrapping himself in rags and loving humanity. That's the story of Christmas. It's God's relentless love for you and for me. Today, would you allow him to love you? Would you allow him to wrap his arms around you? Would you place in his hands your situations? 
You see, it matters whose hands you place it in. If you put a football in Drew Brees' hands, it's not just a football. If you put a golf club, I don't know the golfers, but, but you get the point. If you put a basketball in who? who? Steph Curry, Steph Curry. It becomes greater than the price that's on the shelf in Walmart. You see, God put it in his hands because he was willing. You see, if he was willing to be born in a barnyard, then expect him to work anywhere. A bar, a boardroom. A jailhouse. You see, God, he, He's not a stranger to those rooms. Uh, God can show up there in a courthouse. God is there. If He was in a stable, He don't mind walking into a courthouse. He doesn't mind uh, inviting Himself to the schoolhouse, even to the hospital. Let me say this. He's not embarrassed to show up at your house. Come on, Zacchaeus. Come on, Zacchaeus. He, oh, uh, he has so much passion and compassion. He's ready today. Today. I will be with you. Today I'm going to be in your house. Uh, come on, put the roast uh, in the crock pot. Come on, whatever. Get it ready because I'm coming to your house. I know what they're saying down the street. I know what their opinion is of you next door. But I'm coming to your house. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed because I have hope. I have the answer for you in your life situation. No place is too common. Hear me, no place is too common. No distance is too far. No person he cannot reach. There is no limit to his love. When he was born, so was our hope. Would you stand with me all across this place today? See, church, guest, whoever you are, God came back. Oh, God became one of us so we could become one with him. I don't know about you, but I want to be like him. I'm far from perfect, holy, but God, would you allow me in your presence? God, would you allow me to experience uh, your holy presence? God, would you allow me to experience the power of your spirit? If that's you today, it can happen in this place today. God's spirit is here. Hope is here, and you can experience hope. But it's up to you this morning. It's up to you. To send out that invitation. It's up to you, church, uh, ladies and gentlemen, sir, ma'am. It's up to you and I to repent. Woe is me. Woe is me. And then after you invite him, you repent and truly repent uh, you can be put down uh, in the waters of baptism in the only saving name uh, and that name is Jesus Christ 
But wait, but wait, but wait, there's more. After you are filled with His Spirit, or after you've been baptized, there's a little extra. You can receive His Spirit, which is a necessity. It's not an option, but it's a necessity. John 3, 5, I strongly believe and I lovingly teach, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. That's hope. To me, that's hope. When I share that with the boys that seem like there's no hope, they don't even know what that word means. They don't even know. All they know is their mess, their problems, their dysfunctions. But Brother Murphy... I introduced him just for a little while. It takes, there's layer after layer after layer they have to peel through to begin to feel and receive and accept the presence of God. You see, God can do today again what He did in Bethlehem. He can be born and you, would you close your eyes all across this place right now? Come on, no one looking around. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I feel before I leave this house, I want to make sure I challenge you. Uh, if you don't have his spirit living inside of him, you can experience that Bethlehem. Uh, you can have that bread. You can have his spirit uh, igniting your life giving you hope oh come, come on I feel his presence in this house would you I invite you come on search your heart uh, say God if there's anything inside of me that doesn't belong God would you remove it right now would you remove it and as you're saying that and praying that would you make your way to this altar come on it doesn't have to be all of you you can receive it right there you can experience that uh, freedom and love of his hope Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, hope is here. Hope is now here. Come on, young people. This is such a beautiful experience right here to see our, our next day church, tomorrow's church here at these altars worshiping. Come on, if you want to come down to these altars to make a fresh commitment and say, God, I want to re-experience that hope. And also, God, I want to share this hope with someone. And that's what we're doing today. Come on, that's it. That's it right there. In the name of Jesus, come on, somebody, that you understand the doctrine of hope. Would you begin to reach out? If it's appropriate, would you grab your neighbor by the hand or touch them on the shoulder? Come on, allow that hope to overflow your life and into their lives. Come on, let it flow. That's it. Let it flow. Let it overflow, God. Here in this house, Jesus, here in this house, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God.
Come on, seek him. Come on. I know it's time to go, but if you can just dwell in his presence for just a moment. As our singers begin to sing, come on, tap into his presence. He's here. He's here. That's it. It's not over. It's not over. The rapture hasn't taken place yet. Don't judge that individual. It's not over. There's still hope. Come on, that's it. That's it. Come on. Tap into his presence. 